You're listening to the audio podcast of the weekly message preached at Central United Methodist Church. We're located in the Ballston neighborhood of Arlington, Virginia. You're invited to worship with us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Visit us on the web at cumcballston dot o-r-g. There you can learn more about our congregation, where we worship God, serve others, and embrace all. Good morning. Today's scripture reading comes from the book of John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. And I'm reading from the Revised Standard Version. Jesus appears to the disciples. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being shut where the disciples were, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you to Randy for reading our scripture this morning. Uh, I saw in the chat box that Randy got the pleasure to travel to Wind Cave National Park, so I'm really glad that he's been able to do that. And of course, this is uh, featuring a prominent part of Lane's home state. So after worship ends today, if you join us in the other Zoom room for fellowship where we can chat with one another, maybe you'll get to talk to Randy or Lane or someone else who's been able to travel and to visit there. I've never been able to visit that part of our nation yet, but I've learned a lot through my reading this week preparing for the sermon, and so I'll share with you a little bit of what I know. Traveling along the plains in the Black Hills of South Dakota, you would not know that below you is an intricate network of caves leading deep below the earth. With only one natural entrance to the cave, it would be easy to overlook. This small hole is where the wind comes from, rushing in or out of the cave as the barometric pressure shifts. One of the earliest explorers of Wind Cave was drawn to the entrance by a whistling noise, and he had his hat blown off the first time he visited because the wind was so strong. But the second time he visited, his hat was sucked into the cave. This place was sacred to the Lakota people, and it is known as Makaonoye or breathing earth. It was from this hole that the Lakota believed that life emerged during creation, breathed out of the earth. In one telling, this cave was a portal from the spirit world, and humans emerged from this cave of breath when they left the spirit world. From the surface, with the rolling black hills and roaming bison, you could never tell that below you, was one of the longest caves in the world. Yet below the surface, the earth continues to breathe. The creation story of the Lakota people still honor to this day, this power of breath. In the same way, our own creation story in our Christian tradition includes the importance of breath and spirit. 
In the Hebrew Bible, the word ruach was first described the breath of God, the wind, the spirit. And we see it in the very first chapter of Genesis. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep. While a wind from God, while ruach, swept over the face of the waters. The spirit is characterized as a wind sweeping over the face of the waters at creation. And in the New Testament, the spirit is once again associated with the sound of a rushing wind when we hear the Pentecost story from Acts chapter 2. This text is often the scripture that is proclaimed on Pentecost Sunday when we celebrate the gift of the Holy Spirit. In this telling, the crowds are gathered and the spirit came like a rushing wind and divided tongues rested upon people like fire. And the disciples began to speak in every language. Many people were gathered and all heard the good news preached in his or her own language. All who gathered felt the mighty power of the Holy Spirit in the fire, the wind, and the flame. However, There is another telling of the arrival of the Holy Spirit, and it's the story in the Gospel of John, the words that Randy just read for us. It was actually the same Gospel lesson we heard a few weeks ago after Easter, but that time the sermon focused on Thomas, who wasn't there when Jesus showed up. After the resurrection, when Jesus appeared to the disciples, they were hiding behind locked doors. Jesus greeted them with the words, Peace be with you. Showing the signs of his hands and sides, the disciples rejoiced at his presence. He again tells them, Peace be with you. As God has sent me, so I send you. And then he breathed on them, giving to them the Holy Spirit. It's a gentler, quieter account of Pentecost of the arrival of the Holy Spirit. The scene in Acts seems loud and chaotic, but this scene where Jesus arrives in the midst of fear and breathes peace upon them, this is the story of Pentecost that I needed to hear this year. The Greek word for breath here is the same word for spirit, pneuma. So in that moment when Jesus breathed upon them, the spirit, the pneuma, was poured out upon the disciples with a simple inhalation and exhalation. Still and small, in the midst of their fear came peace. Even though this gift of the Holy Spirit was quieter than in Acts 2, It is the same powerful wind of Ruach, of Numa, that Jesus breathes upon the disciples. The very same breath that God breathed into the nostrils of the first human. The same breath that is now in our lungs. Breathing is something that seems so natural to us, something we don't have to think about until we do. A few years ago, I had pneumonia. An infection in my lungs made me quite ill for over a month. 
After I was well enough to return to worship again, I was shocked at how out of breath I was singing that first hymn that day. I had to stop after just a verse or two and sit down to catch my breath. The power of breath is what enables us to sing. I think that's one of the reasons why singing and music are so important to worship. You can't sing if you're not breathing deeply. And you can't sing with others in a choir or even in congregational singing if you don't find a way to sink your breath somewhat. When you sink your breath to sing and rhythm together, it helps to sink your heartbeat. All throughout the last seven weeks of the season of Easter, when we've begun worship, we have noticed our heartbeats. We've noticed our breathing. We have noticed how they can be in sync with God. When we worship together and we sing together, the breathing together helps us sync our hearts, not only with God, but also with one another when we gather together in person. Breathing connects us to the divine breath of God, the Ruach, the Numa. Breathing together with others as we sing in a choir or sing in a congregation connects us with the other people around us. That's why the science around the spread of COVID-19 through singing has been such devastating news for so many of us. Singing has been called a super spreader event because the virus spreads so easily and widely when people gather and sing together. We must be careful with our breath not knowing what it may carry, and it won't be safe for us to gather and sing together in person for some time. Breathing together goes beyond singing. We sink our breath when we speak our liturgy together out loud. Many times we have joined our voices together as we've renewed our baptismal vows. Whenever I baptize a baby or we celebrate a baptismal remembrance, I ask this question of you who have been baptized. Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? And then, with one breath and one voice together, the congregation responds, I do. I do accept the freedom and power God gives me to resist evil, injustice, and impression in whatever forms they present themselves. What does accepting this freedom and power from God mean today? as God breathes on us the gift of the Holy Spirit, as Jesus shows up with us, breathing peace upon us, breathing the gift of the Comforter, the gift of the Advocate. This week, we've heard George Floyd cry, I can't breathe. It echoes in our ears and breaks our hearts. It's been six years since Eric Garner uttered those same words, I can't breathe before his death on a sidewalk in New York. It's the cruelest kind of irony that as a viral pandemic rages and our collective attention has turned to respirators and ventilators and the necessity of breathing, another person of color dies while crying, I can't breathe. Theologian Alicia Crosby notes, 
I can't shake how profoundly evil it is to tear gas folks protesting the suffocation of a man during a pandemic driven by a respiratory disease. I've been anxious for the news to start covering something besides the coronavirus, but I certainly was not hoping for something like the virus of racism. The Reverend Dr. Otis Moss III states, racism is a virus. It infects the spirit. As a white person in a white dominant culture, sometimes it can feel like I'm immune to noticing racism until it reaches a pandemic level or until a person of color shares part of their experiences of this world with me and I can better understand how the virus of racism continues to run rampant. The killing of Ahmaud Arbery, the killing of Breonna Taylor, the killing of so many others because we've been living with a pandemic of racism for so long. This week we see crowds gather in protest, some gathering peacefully to stand against evil and injustice, and other crowds moving to riots, setting fires. As I strive to make sense of this week, I turn back to the wisdom of another preacher, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. On March 14, 1968, just a few weeks before his assassination, he spoke these words. But it is not enough for me to stand before you tonight and condemn riots. It would be morally irresponsible for me to do that without at the same time condemning the contingent and tolerable conditions that exist in our society. These conditions are the things that cause individuals to feel that they have no other alternative than to engage in violent rebellions to get attention. And I must say tonight that a riot is the language of the unheard. And what is it America has failed to hear? It has failed to hear that the plight of the Negro poor has worsened over the last 12 or 15 years. It has failed to hear that the promises of freedom and justice have not been met. And it has failed to hear that large segments of white society are more concerned about tranquility and the status quo than about justice and humanity. End quote. What is it that America has failed to hear? Not just for 12 or 15 years, because it has been over 50 years since Dr. King spoke those words. What is it that we have failed to hear since this wisdom was shared? The, a riot is the language of the unheard. Whose voices have been silenced over and over again? Whose voices need given breath to stand up against evil and injustice? And whose God-given breath uses that breath to continue to spread the virus of racism? This week in the news, we also saw a woman in New York City use her God-given breath to wield racism as a weapon when she called the police because a Black man asked her to leash her dog when she was in a public park in compliance with the leash laws. Who needs to use their God-given breath to speak up and finally to be heard? And who among us needs to use our God-given breath to simply breathe peace and to be quiet so that we can listen to the voices on the margins? Tonight, I know I need to learn 
I'll be listening to a sermon at six o'clock tonight that'll be streamed live on Facebook. The Reverend Dr. Otis Moss III will be preaching. Following his sermon, there'll be a panel of four people speaking. It's an opportunity to breathe peace and to listen. If you're interested in joining six o'clock tonight, I have some more details in the announcements later in the service. In case you too are interested in learning from voices that have gone unheard by my ears for too long. By getting quiet, I expect the spirit to speak and for me to be able to hear. The act, chapter two, telling of Pentecost, makes it seem like the spirit only comes with crashing sounds. But our gospel lesson from John today reminds us that the spirit of God can come in a still, small, voice, and the voice of Christ breathing peace. What's incredible about John's gospel story is that it reveals to us part of the nature of the Holy Spirit that the telling doesn't. A spirit that is quiet and ever-present. A spirit that is in and among every living thing. A spirit that guides and empowers us. Earlier in the Gospel of John, there is a story of Jesus encountering a Jewish leader named Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes to him, this is in the third chapter, and he asks what it means to be born again, to be born from above. He's confused how someone could be born again. And Jesus replies to Nicodemus saying, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I say to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. End quote. What we celebrate on this day of Pentecost, the birth of the church, is that we too are born from the Spirit. This same Holy Spirit dwells in us and empowers us for the work of Christ in the world today. We breathe in love, we breathe out peace. We breathe in hope, we breathe out grace. This is the church filled with the Holy Spirit, being the church in the world. It is a reminder that the church is absolutely essential and that this work continues wherever the people of God are. Whether we gather together in the same space to worship or we are spread thousands of miles apart, wherever we gather, we are the church. I hope that today you will take a moment to breathe in the peace of Christ, to breathe out the peace of Christ. I'm going to end my sermon today with a blessing from one of my favorite pastor poets, the Reverend Jan Richardson. She entitled this, When We Breathe Together, A Blessing for Pentecost Day. This is the blessing we cannot speak by ourselves. This is the blessing we cannot summon by our own devices. We cannot shape to our purpose. We cannot bend to our will. This is the blessing that comes when we leave behind our aloneness, when we gather together, when we turn toward one another.
This is the blessing that blazes among us when we speak the words strange to our ears, when we finally listen into the chaos, when we breathe together at last. May you be blessed. Amen.